Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Graham Gordon, freelance journalist, often for Canada Land, also for Looney Politics, sometimes on your own site, Raven Canuck. Yes, that's why I think I'm here today. To talk about something that you wrote on Raven Canuck? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> we'll get to that. Be patient. We'll get yeah, to that. I, I parlayed it into a paid gig, I guess, right? Being on your show. So. <laughs> yes, Graham, I am going to be questioning you about the way that you questioned Faith Goldie. But first, off the record, we are going to talk about how Trump might have totally owned Canada in a new NAFTA deal if only he had a better understanding of off the record. <laughs> Welcome to Shortcuts. Thank you. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Sean Gillooly, Joanna Massey, Warren Cargis, Kristen Scheel, Jean-Francois Chef, Julia Wong, Daniel Quinn, and Owen Poole. I'm Owen Poole. I'm an environmental coordinator from London, and I support Canada Land because I was a podcast freeloader for way too long. We need more thoughtful, critical, and innovative media, and we need it yesterday. For me, that makes supporting Canada Land an obvious choice. And Graham, this episode's brought to you by ND Mattresses. They have a new spokesman, JB, Jose Batista. Very cool. If he wants I don't really any, follow sports, but nor do I, but but uh, but I'm happy to help if he needs any tips on selling ND mattresses. I'm still waiting for mine in the mail, actually. Uh, you're gonna look into freelancers, Gib. 
Yeah, we're looking into that. We're looking into that right now. We'll let you know. (laughs) Um, I like my Andy mattress a lot. It's super comfy. They send it to your your door in a box. You will wonder how they got it into that box. Their quality is amazing. It's like the best mattress in a box you're going to get sent to your house. But the reason why listeners of this podcast may be particularly interested in Andy mattresses is that they are made here in Canada, and that means that they're cheaper because they keep manufacturing local. They avoid duties, currency exchanges, international shipping. You can get a king size mattress for under a thousand bucks. It's nine hundred and fifty Canadian for a king. That is that's an unbeatable price for a mattress this good and you'll get 50 bucks more off of that because you listen to this show so go to ND.ca and use the promo code CanadaLand and you'll receive $50 off any mattress and that is how it's done Jose wow I made off the record comments to Bloomberg (laughs) concerning Canada and this powerful understanding was blatantly violated (laughs) oh well just more dishonest reporting. I'm used to it. At least Canada knows where I stand, <laughs> says Donald J. Trump. I, you know, Graham, this is like the biggest scoop about the Trump administration, the biggest leak from Trump that any Canadian news organizations have ever published. These comments to offer a, uh, a synopsis to our listeners who haven't caught this. It all broke like the Friday of Labor mm-hmm. Day weekend. Well, I think it was the story in the U.S. about Trump. I mean, there's like several stories about Trump or like top news stories, right, with his investigation and, and everything. But it was the top of their news cycle too, at least. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. It's hard to figure out which Trump scandal or, or leaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually this like is, three top stories at once. So. Yeah, no, but you're also right that this was not just one that was a, a big story here because it pertained to Canada, but it was it was a pretty big one, but they all, they keep yeah. coming. Anyhow, what, what <laughs> happened was, folks, Trump was giving an interview to Bloomberg News and he, the subject of the interview was the trade negotiations with Canada. And by all reporting, and this is what struck me as strange, he just kind of unilaterally asserted at a certain point, this is off the record, and then proceeded to like kind of drop a bombshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bombshell Wait, was- Wait, do we know that, did they say okay, or did he just go straight into like telling them- There is no record off. of yeah. them having any kind of negotiation or in that moment consenting okay. to, yes, we will accept this information off the record. And, and this Daniel is very... Dale got the transcript then of everything that was said, so- Daniel like, Dale, who I, I've interviewed about this, yeah. um, Daniel Dale shares my understanding that in that moment, there was no- what is supposed to happen didn't happen. And what is supposed to happen, and a lot of people don't know this because off the record is used in such common parlance like, mm-hmm. off the record, I totally fooled around with his girlfriend. Like, you know, <laughs> like just a brag, right? Or or like, you know, on background. It's just people say yeah. it like, what off the record means when you're talking to a journalist is I'm going to give you information because I want you to report it. I don't want to be attributed or linked to it in mm-hmm. any way. So I'm going to give you the facts and then you're going to go verify it using other sources and leave me out of it. But I'm giving you this so that you report it. And then the important part is when you offer a journalist off the record information, they have to agree. It's a negotiation that both parties Mm -hmm. have to agree to because there are many, many circumstances under which a journalist cannot accept information off the record. Mm -hmm. You know, off the record, I killed a guy last night. That's what I bring up in my interview with (laughs) Daniel Dale. Like, no, you you would actually, even if you gave somebody off the record, you would break it in that instance. And and I'm told that it's actually, that happened once. Well, well, but Bloomberg was defensive and said that they- they did agree to it, right? Or they didn't. So let's look so, at that. Yeah. Let's look at that. So it seems that Bloomberg did not agree to it in the moment when, okay. when Trump did not say, can I go off the record for a moment? Mm-hmm. And then they should have said, that depends. What are you about to tell us? Can you give us a general idea mm-hmm. before we agree? It seems from what we know about those exchanges, from the transcripts that do exist, from what's been reported by Bloomberg and by Daniel Dale, it seems that Trump believed he had the ability, the understanding with them mm-hmm. to just flip a switch and say, 
this next thing is off the record, and then just talk away. And that is a powerful understanding. Bloomberg later verifies, yes, we consider that off the record, and we did not leak it to Dale. What that suggests to me is that things did not happen the way they're supposed to happen between a journalist and a president, or a journalist mm-hmm. and any any source, any subject, rather. And that is that when you've got a really powerful person like Donald Trump, he might be swinging his weight around because, yes, you are within your rights if somebody just throws out there, this is off the record, and then they tell you something. You're within your rights as a journalist to say, sorry, I didn't agree, and publish it. I've done that before. I did that interview mm-hmm. with John McFarlane. Oh, um, but you'll never get another interview with them. Yeah. They'll I've feel... never burned a source myself doing that. But Well, I've never burned a source who I promised off the record to, mm-hmm. but uh, but it, it would arguably not be burning the source. And Daniel Dale said, you know, you can make a strong argument that the president of the United States should never be off the record, He should, especially with a reporter. If he's talking to a reporter, it's on the record, you know? So- he he had reason to believe he could he, those were the terms with bloomberg in which case bloomberg is like wildly out of step with proper journalistic practice you know mm-hmm. which is a mark of just how weakened the press has become yeah. i'm seeing it all over the elon musk thing is the same but you know? I, I would say that it, it might be more common than you would think with uh world leaders right like even with trudeau i think that uh they make media that do get the interviews they make concessions or they're friendlies right so have you not- been through that process I have not, but I've heard things about it. I know that they'll have that. They'll make concessions, but there is a negotiation, right? Like they'll have a discussion about what's going to be on and what's going to be off. Yeah, but they're already kind of undermining their ability to be a journalist, right? When they're like agreeing to certain terms where things are off limits, right, for what they can talk about. I disagree. That's a totally different thing. That's a totally different thing. I mean – there are instances where, where where you might say, I'm sorry, if you're not going to talk about that, then we're not having an interview. Mm-hmm. You, you know, but the, and the other thing, too, is you like you said, some media that have access to the president, why would they want to burn that relationship? Right. So that's where they're comp- compromised. They're compromised. But it's kind of understandable for us. I right? don't know. Like, I, I don't then know, they're like, very gameable. I mean, th- then yeah, then Trump, and that's how Trump is able to kind of spin everybody around in circles. And, uh, you know, you, you really got to wonder about these things like were you. Like he said, and I'm, I'm leaving, he said explicitly, I can't give that to you on the record because if I did and you ran what I'm saying, which is that we hold all the cards, Canada's going to just completely buckle to our demands. We're giving them nothing, <laughs> right? But don't print that because if, if we did, it would embarrass them so badly that they couldn't take the deal. I really don't think they were going to take the deal anyway. We'll uh, never know. Yeah. But could you really see Trudeau agreeing to terms like that? He would get so much bad press here. I don't know. Like, the, the, the ins and outs of the be, trade thing. I, yeah. I I mean, I was reading stuff that's well, just- he, that, he pulls well when he's in confrontation with Trump, right? If he's giving Trump a bunch of concessions on NAFTA when he doesn't have to strike a deal now, that's just hurting his numbers big time. He's going to lose a lot of support, I would think. I think so. that at a certain point, the economic ramifications of not having a deal and seeing what it's doing to the dollar, but this is not my domain. I, okay. I We don't know. Just, just one other thing too is This is a theory that's going around that they want to not strike a deal until after the midterms because Trump will likely – The can is trying to delay it. Listen, I've also heard the theory out there that uh, the leak, which certainly would make it harder for Canada to make a rush deal, was leaked by the White House, by by Trump. And I I asked Daniel Dell that. You know what? Let's let's hit pause on this because I because because really it's <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Off, off the record yeah. is a fascinating thing that I, don't, I think that not only does the public not fully understand it, I think that sources obviously don't under, uh, and subjects don't understand it. And I think the journalists often either abuse or don't understand it themselves. It's completely murky. So well, we're gonna yeah, it's context too, right? Is a big thing. Like, yeah, there's different, so many different situations, different situations, it, different yeah. news organizations, so different roles. We're gonna do a whole Canada Land on Monday. The Daniel Dale interview will be on that, yeah. and we're gonna talk to some other people as well. So, which is already up, right? The Daniel Dale the Dale interview. interview because it was newsy. We threw it online. Uh, it's we're quite gonna, good too. 
thank you. We'll present that and more on Monday. Um, but you you bring our attention to the trade or deal itself, which normally I, I would do well to avoid the ins and outs of the concessions, except for this one thing that Trudeau said is an absolute deal breaker. <laughs> he will not bend. He will not buckle. The cultural exemption must remain. We have made it very, very clear that the cultural exemption must stand as part of any renegotiated NAFTA. It is inconceivable to Canadians that an American network might buy uh, Canadian media affiliates, whether it's newspaper or TV stations or TV networks. Uh, it would be uh, a giving up of our sovereignty and our identity. Uh, and that is something that we simply will not accept. Inconceivable! Graham, if we allowed an American media company you know that they want to. If we allow them to come in here and buy our beloved, intrepid Canadian newspapers, that would be tantamount to giving up our sovereignty and identity itself. This shall not pass. <laughs> what is this about? It feels to me like he's like... Would there even be a buyer? Uh, any takers? No, I, don't, look, I don't think they can find them domestically. you got softwood lumber and cars and milk and somewhere like like <laughs> thousands down on the list is the American interest in buying up Canadian struggling, unprofitable, dying Canadian legacy media organizations. So like is this just Trudeau taking a, a tough stand on an issue that the Americans couldn't care less about? Sure, fine. Keep your cultural exemption in place. That's fine, dude. I guess it sounds good. To, you think They think it obviously sounds good to the average Canadian. But we're not just talking about newspapers here, right? Like let's look at Netflix, okay? Like uh, Yeah, what? totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. Like let's look at Netflix. Let's look at – because like this is, this is about cultural exemptions that were in place in the past that prevented American companies from buying – Things like newspapers, things that were on Canadian public airwaves like FM, AM radio stations, TV stations, and and for some reason, newspapers, we didn't want Americans to gobble that up. And this, this is to protect our some sort of national identity, right? Well, we already watch and consume more American Even though, content yeah, than e we e do. That's right. Yeah, Even though those Canadian-owned stations are mostly playing uh, American material, still they're Canadian-owned and they put a bit of, bit of CanCon on. But as you bring up, not just Netflix, but even in the news space like – there's nothing preventing New York Times from setting up New York Times Canada. They have. Yeah. Bloomberg News North, BBC is in Canada. Washington Post is publishing lots of Vice Canadian is, you know, and then all of these digital players are here. There's nothing stopping them. And I think it's true that if, if Canadians end up not listening to any of our own radio shows or podcasts, not reading any Canadian newspapers, not watching anything that's ever made in Canada, yeah, we have sacrificed. Like, what are we then? And there is some impact on our cultures and identity, perhaps even our sovereignty. But pinning that conception of Canadianness <laughs> on these, like, miserable collection of legacy media properties that America couldn't, I don't know, I can't fathom them having yeah. much interest in them anyhow, is a weird kind of political grandstanding. A like, I, I, I'm, I'm actually kind of befuddled as to the only politicians thing I... say lots of silly things that experts are like are puzzled by, but it sounds good to the average Canadian. Not everyone's a seasoned media critic like you, Jesse, right? So it sounds good to them, I guess. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity and they are doing cutting edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. 
We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars And I I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Graham, everybody has to have a place to put their notations, and we put our notations in a segment called Duly Noted. Have you brought one for us? I have the dairy cartel uh, going off of our discussion with Trump. Um, he loves to tweet about our protectionism of our dairy on a regular basis. And it's, it came up in the news again. It keeps popping up with these NAFTA negotiations, right? Because he wants it's apparently on the chopping block now. But the Canadian media coverage I've noticed has been quite easy on the dairy cartel and allowed themselves to be played, I think, a little bit because. I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this, but the dairy cartel spends $100 million roughly huh. on lobbyists, spokespeople, and advertising. So that, that is worth noting. How do you know that? Where's that figure come from? Former Liberal MP Martha Hall Finley, she did a very well-researched paper on the dairy cartel and why it needs to be disbanded. And that was the estimate that she had. If you notice the amount of advertising they do and uh, you look at the army of lobbyists they have in Ottawa and all the schmoozing parties that they have. And they were just at the disastrous conservative convention uh, mm-hmm. out east, right? Cool. That's a, that's good so, to know. That's a lot of money to spend yeah. on. Probably a lot of money spent on trying to get people to think of them as dairy farmers and not as the dairy cartel. You should say the dairy mafia if you really <laughs> want to know. Well, I, yeah, because uh, I won't. Yeah. So, well, if your article is getting retweeted by the dairy farmers of Canada on Twitter, you probably didn't do a good job. Duly noted. I want to note a strange CBC apology that just came out. Uh, CBC put out a press release. I mean, that's sort of why it was strange because typically when a CBC story uh, is complained about and they they do an internal audit and they find that it did not meet their standards, that happens through the ombudsman who's actually a woman named Esther Enkin. They, they call her the ombudsman. And if you or I were to go to the CBC because we were angry about something, they would say, take this to our ombudsman. But in this case, it was a pretty high profile complaint. And um, it was interesting to me that it was a big enough deal that they put out a press release. And the press release refers to a May 8th opinion piece that they feel did not meet mm-hmm. their standards. And this was a, uh, the piece is unnamed. The, there's no link to it. There's uh, the headline of the piece is not noted in the apology. Why did it not meet their standards? Then? It didn't meet their standards, says the CBC, because this story about NDP MP Christine Moore, in which it is alleged that she is guilty of sexual impropriety and abuse of power, that she used her position as an MP to obtain 
sexual favors from this uh, this veteran, mm-hmm. Glenn Kirkland, which is quite an accusation mm-hmm. to make about anybody. And um, Jugmeet Singh said, believe all uh, accusers too, right? In a way, or all... Um, well, we can talk about what he meant by that and what that means. Um, that just makes it more noteworthy even, right? Because the story was about is Jagmeet yeah. Singh uh, a hypocrite because this followed the Aaron Weir incident. And in fact, it was Christine Moore who brought that to light, that Aaron Weir and another NDP MP who was accused of sexual impropriety and um, Jagmeet Singh dealt with harshly. And then in retaliation, this piece comes out from the CBC that Christine Moore did something to Glenn Kirkland and will Jagmeet Singh hold the same standard to her? Well, I think he did. He, he uh, suspended her. And then he investigated her, and the outcome of that investigation was that she had done nothing wrong, that an MP has no power over a a military veteran, and that aside from the issue of a power imbalance, this seemed to be a completely consensual affair, even even by the account of Glenn Kirkland, who says he felt compelled and pressured, but he doesn't feel like he's a victim. He explicitly says Mm -hmm. that. And so Christine Moore, I believe that a bunch of legal threats were made. But to answer your question, what was the CBC apologizing for? Well, when they had this pretty extraordinary accusation, she said, can I have a bit more time to respond? Mm -hmm. And they didn't give it to her. They ran the piece anyhow. And uh, that's a pretty big Uh, Mm no-no if if when you go for comment, especially with a big life-changing, potentially life-changing accusation like that. That was Patrick Brown's, one of his fatal mistakes, right, was they didn't ask for more time. They they should have asked for more. Defense, that, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. And we'll we'll see how that plays out if it uh, if it does go to court. The second thing I want to duly note about this particular case about this article that is not even linked to in the apology, that I think is telling about how this mistake happened, is that the opinion piece in question was written by Neil McDonald, and um, Neil McDonald has been a fine journalist and and is uh, everyone makes mistakes, but he has a very strange role at the CBC right now. Uh, cushy but, role, I would say. It's a cushy one. I pointed yeah. it out before. Uh, they took him off the air on the national, and they—I'm uh, told—they said to him, "Don't worry, Neil. You're still going to be a high-profile guy. You're going to write three opinion pieces a week for our new opinion vertical." <laughs> and then the opinion vertical said, "Well, we don't want that much, Neil. Uh, we'll take one a week." This mm-hmm. is what I understand happened. I think they only publish what I've written for them in the past, and I think they publish uh, a piece a day at most. So it would be a lot of just Neil content, right? If you had three, it's still it's still I guess ratio wise a lot of Neil content. It's one Neil piece a week. He still, as I understand it, is a full time employee at CBC, making whatever he was making when he was a big, big on air personality on the National. I also understand he's writing a book with all the time he has on his hands. This one week, he decided to do a little bit better than just a quick tossed off uh, opinion piece. He he did a reported piece because he said there were rumors going around Ottawa that Christine Moore was guilty of this impropriety. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I want to point out is, and this isn't specific to the CBC, there's a class of well-known, I guess, you know, famous in a Canadian context, um, media personalities who kind of write above the law. Uh, Christy Blatchford, I think Margaret Wente, uh, and Neil McDonald basically go to press unedited. Mm-hmm. And so there should I, I think we should note there should always be some editorial oversight on yeah. everything published. And uh, that's maybe what got me into some trouble here in this next segment. Oh, uh, oh, well, <laughs> since you bring it up, let's segue right into our next segment. So, Graham, it's time. You know what? Look, this is just an iteration of something that is being debated all over. The Steve Bannon thing, canceled from the New Yorker Festival, but now he's going to be debating David Frum at the Monk debates. Should they give him a platform or shouldn't they? What do we do with these uh, deplorable, (laughs) horrible people? Do we give them a platform or not? You're here because you said in the case of Toronto mayoral candidate Faith Goldie, yes, 
Yes, I will interview her. So, I have questions about your questions, but I think that before we get into it, I should let you kind of present your case. And it's it's not something that I've fully made up my mind about of whether to, you know, engage or not engage with these incredibly okay. popular figures. So, you chose engage. She's running for mayor. I'm going to interview her. Why did you do that? Why did you make that choice? Well, to begin with, she she's high profile enough, I think, that she stands out from the other uh, so-called fringe candidates in that she, she has been part of uh, the media landscape in Toronto for the last 10 years. I mean, she's not been in the mainstream media for, for the past uh, few years, but... She still has connections there. Um, I do believe, I know that you you don't necessarily believe her when she says that there's a media blackout on her campaign, but I'm leaning towards thinking that there there is because I find it quite odd that someone like her that just, she, she's screaming out for attention, but there is an interest there, I think, in her, her campaign that's quite viral on social media. I don't know how much of that's actually within Toronto, but... She seems to have some traction. There has been a lot of interest. Uh, that's all people seem to want to talk about in this mayoral race because the rest of it's been so boring. So I, I Jennifer Keysmet suggesting secession of Toronto, ho hum. Why? Wow, that's kind of been that's over oh, now, no, right? Sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah. I interrupted. <laughs> yeah, please, okay. Please continue. Since then, there hasn't been much. I don't think. So I found out that she was canvassing last week, and I, I wanted to go see what kind of numbers she had, and she had thirty people show up. Um, it was near my brother's place. I actually had to pick someone up at the airport, so it was convenient. It was like an hour before. I feel like I have to justify why I even uh, would you go totally look, do. Right? <laughs> you totally okay. do. Well, Please continue to attempt to do so. Okay, so there was a lot of interest by other journalists. Someone who, a former uh, newsroom manager, a lot of he, interest in your piece. No, before I even wrote the piece, oh, in, and just you, in her, right? Okay, so I, I knew it was news. There it, was a blackout, it, but there was a lot of interest from. Yeah, a journalist who, or I mean, I guess Justin Ling, uh, JJ McCullough both wrote pieces about her in it's the mainstream press, but uh, in, the, in a national magazine and in and yeah, in, but in the local Toronto media is yeah. not covering it at all. Not, right? not so, much of a media blackout when you're in the Walrus. Did JJ write about her in the Washington in the Post? Wall, I would argue that's still a media blackout in the mainstream. But, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Zing. I don't really like. All right, okay. <laughs> um, go on. So when I was there, she she had 30 people strong there. Um, I know that her former boss, Ezra, who fired her because of, he says, he didn't allow her to go to the Charlottesville rally. And then she went on that neo-Nazi podcast and, and made a joke about him, right, uh, being Jewish. I believe the joke was she was asked by the Nazis if her Jewish boss keeps kosher, yeah. or eats milk and meat, and her and, and she played along with the joke and said, well, he'll eat bacon, but only if it's free. <laughs> you know, those Jewish bosses. So yes, she's she's popular. She's a thing. We can't pretend she's not a thing. That that's basically the. Uh, I hear you. That's Sorry, I, I was going to say that he he said that it's a it's a Twitter vanity campaign, and that's what a lot of people are thinking is she just wants attention. But I think there's a lot more. Once meeting her in person, I mean, maybe she's just play acting, and it's part of the the shtick. But I think that she's more serious about this than people realize in actually trying to perform well. Not necessarily. I, I mean, I don't know if she 
has delusions of grandeur that she can actually win the thing. But hey, you can um, start it off as a publicity campaign, and then who knows? Once you're in yeah. the ring, you can win. We saw that happen she, in a big yeah, way, right? I think there's canvassing happening every day, at least, and uh-huh. they're going to areas of Ford Nation, right? She's got right. an international profile. Yeah, Stranger Things have happened. Yeah. What are we just going to pretend that this is? And happening? if she's getting traction on, like, her ground game is strong, somewhat strong, and she's handing people her campaign material that's more innocuous than the incendiary things she's she said in the past. I think the media has a job to inform the public. I know that you you don't think I did a good job of informing them on past things she said. And uh, No, I don't. I don't. No. Yeah. We'll get into that, but that that's another thing. I think I've spurred a con- or look at I'm here now we're talking about it and you can show me where uh, I had a lapse in judgment and and bring up some of those uh those more <laughs> well, okay. egregious and crazy things she said right so i'm just trying to kind of organize our approach to this i mean there's sort of like do you i'd I'd like to also say that i am writing a follow-up and calling her out on uh areas where she weaseled out of answering my questions right but i the other thing too is i thought that these are adults i don't like to uh insult my reader's intelligence i don't feel like i need to spell out when somebody's saying something crazy right i think the reader can figure that out for themselves so Hmm. uh You've done extensive coverage of the alt-right and racist. You've done a lot of it for Canada Land. We hire you a lot because you have a pretty thorough knowledge of those circles and you do really good factual substantive reporting that is about not spelling out or or treating people like children and saying this is wrong. We're keeping a ledger, right? We're keeping a ledger of like, here is what they said. Here is what they did. Let let them not pretend that they didn't. And you've been a, a really valuable contributor to Canada Land. Because they they do seem to engage with you, not as some loony SJW, and they tell you things, and and they show themselves to you, and we've been proud to run a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. that that I haven't seen anywhere else. This was a different kind of piece. So I do think, you know, two debates. One is, do you acknowledge that this is happening, that Faith Goldie is running for mayor and publicity stunt or not? It is happening, and a lot of people uh, are pretty excited about it. Or do we? is it our job in the media to pretend that that's not happening? Do you give her a platform? I'm of two minds about this. I think that the, that the, the day when keeping her off of Canada land isn't going to slow her roll. You know, it, it, I think that was more of a live question in a three-network universe or a you know, two-newspaper mm-hmm. universe. It just becomes ammo yeah. for people like that to say, look, there's a media blackout on me, and it, well, and it, I, it actually is, it strengthens their own platforms, which does, are bigger yeah. anyhow, yeah. right? So I, I, I don't know. The gatekeepers aren't, are, they're not, they're not watching over anything now. Or yeah, the, they don't have the yeah, power. The fence, yeah, the fence has holes in it all over. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. So I think that, you know, I think you're making the sunlight as the best disinfectant argument that let's, let's. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I guess I didn't shine enough light on some of her past comments, but. I think that that's where my problem is with 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 your piece, and I appreciate you coming here and defending it and, and being accountable yeah, for the piece. I, I appreciate you having me on to discuss it instead of uh, having a third party. You kind of, I feel, lay it out on her terms. You describe her as a dark horse candidate. That's kind of sexy, dark horse candidate, <laughs> right? Well, if you look at the definition, I think it's accurate because it's somebody that's underestimated and. Uh, is quite experienced at the game that they're playing. Okay, right? bravo, so great. She, yeah. um, there's more. <laughs> uh, you call her kind of neutrally. Right-wing commentator. Well, that's a normal thing. Bubbly. Nice. Intelligent. Oh, that's good. Quick-witted. Uh, well, I, t- I said she had a f- fall from grace because she became more in a hard right, right? Like, I think that maybe that I, I, was I guess, uh, yeah. I, 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 you, I, I'm, or I'm, hard, you don't... Yeah. I'm cherry-picking the, the more uh, positive things you said. It's true. Uh, but they are in there. They're in there. And, and the way that you position yourself in the piece... Just one thing too. When I okay. say she's bubbly or quick-witted, 
she is those things. She she graduated with distinction from U of T. She's not a dumb person, okay, in a lot of ways. I mean, yes, she has some half-baked crazy theories on things, but she is well-read and she's not an idiot. Like, she is very slick. She's very good at this. I mean, you, you hate her as much as you want. You have to... I don't hate her at all. It's not what this well, is sorry, about. Sorry, not hate, but yeah. Listen, you, you get what I mean. Like You position this as, you write, she's so controversial, I'll likely get attacked just for interviewing her and publishing this piece. She says to you, there's a mainstream media blackout on my campaign. You say, I'm inclined to believe her. And later you ask her kind of like- Well, I, I did give a reason why, right? Like a couple-, couple The reason reasons. being that she hasn't been covered outside of the Walrus and JJ's piece, and I believe it's the Washington Post. Yeah. Uh, outside of that media, yeah. there's been a blackout. You know, there's also been a blackout on my terrific breakdancing moves. <laughs> or maybe just nobody yeah, cared to write about that. I wouldn't think that's newsworthy. There's lots of things. I think if you're going to say, my first problem was that you accepted her terms. Like we know the alt-right playbook that mm -hmm. if you are being censored and suppressed, you're- Well, I didn't accept her terms. I just said I would like to interview you. The, the other interesting thing to note is no, when no, I no, did- let's, let's, okay. let's stay where we are. Okay. She would like the world to think there's a mainstream media press blackout, right? We can agree that yeah. that's uh, advantageous for her. Mm -hmm. She says that. She doesn't offer any evidence. You, without doing any investigation, say, I'm inclined to believe her. And then you ask, you put the question to her, so why do you think there's this media, why do you think there's a media blackout on your campaign? And by the time the reader is done with this, it's just sort of taken as like, okay, there's a mainstream media blackout and, and brave reporter Graham Gordon is breaking that blackout. A blackout is a very deliberate thing for newsrooms to say, and newsrooms that are in competition with each other to say, everybody here, we're not covering Faith Goldie. Do not give her any ink. Don't mention her name. As a reporter who reports on the media, how could you throw that out there without knowing that that's true, without verifying that? Well, I did hedge it, though. I, I didn't say I, I know. That's what I said. That's what she knows. And I said, why do you think that there's a media blackout on her campaign? I mean, yeah, I guess I inferred that. Uh, it's that it's credible. You get you, yeah. you lent it a lot of credibility. Well, I because there is a lot out there to lend that credibility. Maybe. So look, at, look at the poll. It's a hypothesis. Okay, so there, there's a pollster out there who's doing these polls and only including the two front runners and not even other. That's an inaccurate poll because there are going to ultimately be people who say, I'm not voting for either of them. I'm voting for this or so-and-so or this person, right? And then when you say that out of all the people that we polled, 35% are leaning towards Kizmat and 65 are leaning towards Tory. That's an that's not a credible poll. Your right? suggestion That's a fake poll you, if you're not including at least other. I, I would understand why you wouldn't list right. the other fringe candidates, right? So your um, suggestion is, and then the other. Wait, what, there's one more. Wait, thing. No, I'll deal with okay. them in turn. Your suggestion then is, is that a normal poll would have an other category, and this one doesn't. And the suggestion is that it doesn't because of this mainstream media blackout of Faith Goldie, which we don't know exists. Well, I, it, I'm in the process of looking at that more closely, but so these pollsters are heavily connected to political to certain politicians. Look, these are all good questions to ask. No one's saying don't ask yes, these questions. I'm still. But we're we're talking to an audience here. You gotta. Find out if it's true or not. You got to find out okay, if it's true it, or not. Yeah, it, I agree. It's it's still, it's not 100% verified, but there are signs out there. Like columnist Joe Warmington had to delete some of his tweets where he didn't even mention her by name. He just took a picture. He's like, he's chomping at the bit to do a, to do a story Go on her. Go out and report it. Don't talk about it <laughs> okay. until you report it. You, okay, like, fine. And, and in the context of an interview with her where you're, we agree that is in her interest for this to be out there. Uh, there's a blackout against me. That's even, that's not even the least of it, man, because She's the, but we, like, we haven't even on. gotten started. Yeah. We haven't even right. gotten started. 
I, you tried, right? Like these are hard interviews to do, yeah. right? Accountability interviews with somebody who is a controversial figure who is arguably, no, she's a white supremacist racist, but that's something that, you, that if you just assert it, you're going to get a bunch of trolls back like, how is she a racist, right? Yeah. So, I, you know, you, you ask her, do you still believe there's a white genocide taking place? And she says, you know something? I've never used that term. <laughs> I've never used that term to discuss any sort of trend or single event anywhere. Canada will be almost 80% non-white in less than a century. Canada's state broadcaster just released one of the most racist videos on the internet, hailing a white genocide. The eventuality of a white genocide. And when she lies to you, when she lied to you about not using that term, you said, okay, well, maybe Jonathan Van Maren's reporting wasn't accurate. I didn't mean that seriously, though, because I through my own research was like almost certain that she had used that term before. And I went back to it and confronted her afterwards. Right. Right. So, I mean, what you, what I you... mean, I probably should have had me confronting her right afterwards because it was quite a, a long form interview and I had it near the bottom. Here's um, the thing where this failed. And I think it was a failure of an interview. Uh, I'm sorry, man. Where it failed is. I mean, can, can we disagree on that? It failed in, in the respect that I didn't, have enough of her odious uh, former quotes, right? I, w I would agree with that. But in for other her, ways, just to I'm... answer to, not to say you're a horrible person, but you know, if if our answer to the first question, "Do we talk to Faith Goldie or not?" is yes, this is happening whether we like her or not, then I would suggest to you, sunlight being the best disinfectant, that when you are preparing to go and confront her with a Q and A, you do what I did this morning, which is essentially go through. Faith Goldie's greatest hits. Like you want to be taken seriously as a mayoral candidate who's going to talk about what trans greatest, solutions. Greatest low points maybe. But. Yeah, some of which you documented for us. So yeah. it's not that hard. I mean, it, I did link to those articles and I did bring up a couple like, and I, I had a couple of other questions I meant to ask her and I didn't get to them. Here's and I what I, uh, and I do have a follow-up piece where I, I do good. look I, at more of her. Pencils have erasers. Yes. This is what I was able to just putting together point form. Um, if I were ever to decide that I was going to speak to Faith Goldie, I wouldn't ask her anything before asking her about her thoughts on the rise of a white racial consciousness. I would ask her about her enthusiastic recommendation of a classic Nazi text, a book that called for the elimination of the Jewish menace. Uh, Faith Goldie called it very, very, very spot on. I would ask her about the time she went on that Nazi podcast and made a, an anti-Semitic joke about Ezra Levant, uh, loving bacon only when it's free. I would ask her about the time that neo-Nazi Richard Spencer came out with his manifesto, the Charlottesville Statement, and she compared it to Martin Luther's theses and it made specific reference to uh, how it deals with the JQ, the Jewish question. And, and if you actually uh, have the misfortune of reading the Charlottesville Statement, the way that it deals with the Jewish question is by stating, if anyone was wondering, no, Jews are not Europeans. They're not white. Don't worry about that. Faith Goldie doesn't just mention white genocide. I have to ask her about her belief that it's a real thing, you know? And, and when she talks about white genocide, she's not talking about, like, people killing white people. She's talking about race mingling. She's talking about white people being beiged out of existence and how that's a real thing that we need to do something about. And she's taken a commitment to do something about it. She has recited the white nationalist pledge, the 14 words that she is committed to preserving a future for white babies. She's a white supremacist, dude. She has uh, argued that what NATO should be doing is NATO should be installing troops in Greece to fire grenades at ships with um, a migrant asylum seekers on it. Uh, she said that in Europe, they should be, the government should be taking over religious schools, children's religious schools, and turning them into, and this is a quote, re-education camps. 
she, after the Quebec mosque shooting, she promulgated the conspiracy theory that it was actually a Muslim terror attack. She is a racist. She's a white supremacist. So I don't give a fuck about her transit plan. You know, <laughs> if we're going to regard Faith Goldie, that's the collection of turds that we must, yeah. we must, it's not fun work. You've done a lot of this work first. We must collect I, I, those yeah, turds. I'd like to say I did. And we put them yeah, under her nose yeah. and we say, what about this? And she'll and before, lie to you, man. And you you have to know this going in. Yeah. She lied to you. My, the mistake I think you I made. Let her lie to you. Yeah. The, the mistake that I, th I did do some homework and uh, went on uh, those, some of the all right podcasts that she went on. Right. But I went on them like post Charlottesville. So I think she's like, changed her her language a lot and i couldn't find as many of the like yeah crazy she's cleaning up her whole yeah. thing she's trying and, to normalize and, and, and when i covered the rebel for you jonathan actually did a lot of the coverage on i was not that familiar with her i was more focused on covering ezra and the stuff in the uk too so i wasn't as familiar with things she said in the past well uh, luckily but, for you and Canada I did, land yeah, and, and I press progress and others I linked have to made those this. and didn't yeah and i didn't i i guess when i was compiling my questions i I mean, that's I why we do this. It's it's yeah. it's ugly work to be three hours into some podcast with Faith Goldie trying to find the, the worst things that she said. We do it because you can't expect the average person who's looking at her as a, you know, polished candidate presenting herself as a normal person who wants to be tough on crime. They can't be expected to go three hours into that paywall. Yeah. We yeah. do that. And click on the links that I provided as well. Right. That more spell you, out the stuff she said in the past. I, I mean, I referenced alt-right multiple times and why she's fraternizing with them. And You uh, normalized like, her. You did. You did. I, <laughs> you made her seem kind of rational. Kind of. I, I mean, my first question to her was, how are you going to move all the migrants to Ottawa, right? And the legality around that and that you're dog whistling to racist uh, that will be quite pleased. I think you intended to hold her to account, and I, and I don't think you did a terribly good job of it. And I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I, I take your point, and I, I agree. don't. Like, I'm not I trying to make myself look. Like, I, every interview I've ever done, there's something I wish I'd asked. There's preparation I wish I'd done a better job of. Yeah. I just think that the stakes are high with these characters. They are fringe. They should be kept fringe. Maybe the way that we keep them fringe is not by ignoring them, but by reminding people of just how odious, destructive, and violent their views are. But that's well, why. That's why we're discussing this now, and you're bringing more of this to light, right? I appreciate that you hear this can't be fun. And and I don't mean to make myself into some paragon. Uh, but Do you not agree, though, that we should have, there should be some coverage of her campaign if she's out there presenting this new image of herself? Um, I think you that, not, I think the I, public I should be informed because what if she ends up getting like significant results, right? And the media will look bad too. If, yeah. if someone gets that high and it's like they weren't covered at all, like that's just going to look bad on I the think media we absolutely and should undermine uh, its credibility, right? Or, or credibility in a way. If, I think we absolutely should talk about yeah. her. I'm not sure we should talk to know. her. Wouldn't her campaign be torpedoed pretty quickly too if someone brought up more of the odious things that you just referenced? Well, you'll her, find that right? on this podcast, like, but not in your article, right? Yeah, like, but, when, but now there's lots of journalists that listen to this and when I think she she has some some plans to to get media attention, I don't think they'll be able to ignore her shortly. And that, that was also a benefit, I think, of me reaching out to her is I kind of know what her, I've warned people of, how she will be newsworthy soon. And the media will look a little silly that they haven't covered her up to this point. There's plenty of looking silly like to go around. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it. Graham. On me, apparently. But, and I, I, like I said, I will be writing a follow up and I agree that I dropped the ball a bit there with not including those statements. I'm sure you'll do better next time. For sure. 
thank you for coming here and answering for your piece. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. Anybody can email me about it. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We have a Twitter account here at this company, and that Twitter account is at CanadaLand. Graham, what's yours? People can find me at Graham C. Gordon. That's G-R-A-E-M-E on Twitter. And my website is ravencanuck.com. Okay, you heard his Twitter account. That is where you direct your comments for Graham. Our website is canadalandshow.com. We have original stories going up there all the time. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like what we do, please support us at patreon.com slash canadaland. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.